Good morning, everybody. I know uh, Pastor Dan and Brenda send their greetings from the Dominican Republic. Uh, we did have that video, but the sound quality wasn't as good as we liked it. So um, if you want, go to our Facebook page. Um, it's on there, and you can watch that new song, Medford, on Facebook there. So anyway, so I get to uh, bring the message this morning, and um, I'm doing the part of the I am, I am the vine. Um, we're doing the I am statements of Jesus and in this series. And uh, Jesus, our vine, is my message title this morning. And we'll be... Uh, and I'll be speaking, and we'll be going through John chapter 15 this morning. And, you know, this is a, a, a precious and important part of Scripture. This section is referred to as the upper room discourse. It starts in chapter 13 and goes through chapter 17. It's called the upper room discourse because it starts where? in the upper room the night before Jesus Christ would be crucified. It takes place around that very table where they would celebrate what we call as the Last Supper. Jesus knows he's about to give up his life, and here we find that he's sharing with his disciples from his heart, and he's giving a truth here and he knows it's important to communicate this important information to his disciples at this very moment. In setting up for this chapter, we find in chapter 13, he talks about serving each other as what he washes their feet. In chapter 14, after informing them in 13 that, you know, he's going to be giving up his life and that one of them would actually betray him and that Peter would deny him. And we find the hearts of the disciples troubled. So in chapter 14, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled as he begins to talk about heaven. He said, don't be troubled about these things. You have a hope of heaven. Then he said, you know the nature of the Father. If, you, if you've seen me, then what? You have seen the Father. He is a good God. You have seen that in me. Jesus is God manifest in flesh. Not only do you have the hope of heaven, and now you have the nature and love of the Father, and you have the privilege of prayer. I love that last song, Make Me a House of Prayer. Make Me a House of Prayer. So fitting for the message this morning. He told them they could ask in his name, and in doing so, they would receive what they were what? In need of. Finally, they're told you'll have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If I go, I will send a comforter to you. The comforter, the Holy Spirit of Christ to reside in them and ultimately to come upon them, giving power to them. Now he ends chapter 14 here with these words. Arise and let's go from here. So at this time, I can imagine that they all stand up and they move out of the upper room and they head to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Say it. You can edit that, right, David? 
On the way, Jesus continues to teach. And also an important fact here is the temple doors would be open at this time because it's what? The time of Passover. And this was so that people could come and go day and night to the temple. There on the doors, a part of these massive doors are these beautiful golden grapevines. And they are on the gates that lead into the temple courtyard. And then also on the front of the temple building itself, there's another huge golden grapevine. So you have both on the doors of the, and on the front of the temple. And Jesus says here in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Or other translations say, vine dresser, the gardener, the keeper. But the key here is he says, I'm the true vine, the true vine. Now, the vine was the national symbol of Israel. And that's why you see the vine on the gates of the doors and of the temple. In Isaiah, Ezekiel, Psalms, and even teachings by Jesus in Matthew 21, all point that Israel is likened to a vine. So now Jesus is walking with his disciples and says, I'm the true vine. It's not about a religion. It's not about a race of people. It's not about a program or a church. Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. My father, he's the husbandman. And then in John 15, 2, he says, Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. I'm the vine, and he'll soon say, you are the branches. Let me offer a little different perspective on this verse and how it's been translated and what the Greek word in Foley means here. And I've heard sermons many times here how he takes away and, is, and is, it almost seems like he's through with you and if you don't bear fruit and if you are bearing fruit, what does he do to you? He prunes you. And so when I was younger, this was actually a little bit of a scary verse. I was just like, okay, uh, so if I'm not bearing fruit, he's going to cast me away or get rid of me. And then if I am bearing fruit, he's going to cut on me. But let me offer a thought on this verse. And you can do your own study on that. And that's what it's for. We, each one of us, are to dig into the word and have the Holy Spirit reveal to us what he is saying to you. So do your research on it. The word here in this verse on he takes away is the word arrow, A-I-R-O. This word in the Greek means to, the main meaning of it is to lift up, to raise up, elevate, lift up, to raise from the ground, take up stones, to raise upward, elevate, lift up the hand, to draw up, a fish, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up to bear. And this is where they kind of get their interpretation in the current version, to bear away what has been raised, carry off, 
to move from this place, to take off or away what is attached to anything, to remove, to carry off, carry away with one. Oops, sorry. So vines in Palestine here in Israel, they're not, they weren't grown like we see vines today, where we put them up on wires and they're in these nice little rows and everything. They were actually grown close to the ground. And they would use rocks with the vines to raise the, the branches up off the ground. And so you'd have these vines growing on these rocks and you know, these vines would become heavy with fruit or an animal would come by or um, the wind would blow and it, these branches would fall off these rocks. And the, the husbandman, the vine dresser, would come along and take rocks and place it under the vines, lifting them back up out of the dirt. In fact, when Jesus lifted up his eyes a couple chapters previously towards the tomb of Lazarus, the word arrow is used here as well. He lifted up his eyes. In Luke 17, when the 10 leopards lifted up their voice to call out to Jesus to have mercy on them, the word arrow is used here as well. In other words, the vast majority of times when you hear the word arrow, it is used and translated in the King James as being just that, lifted up it usually doesn't come into the rendering like we see here. The vast majority of times in the Bible, it's lifted up. So here I've wondered if it should be translated as he lifts up the vine that's on the ground or stuck in the mud. Because later in chapter 6, he talks about the dry branches and how they're cast into the fire because they're disconnected, and we'll get to that. But here I feel that uh, God is just saying, you know what, I'm lifting you up out of the mud and I'm washing off. And one thing an individual uh, told me once about tomato plants is there is the, the branch that's growing and there's the flowering part. But along that branch can be these little tiny branches that grow. And it's good to take those off because what? They rob from the fruit that's produced. And so likewise, there's this other word here, pruned. Or in the Greek, um, catharsis, meaning purification or cleansing. So he lifts you up out of the dirt and he cleanses the mud off of you. He washes you. And so in that process, and just like with those tomato plants, you want to take off those sucker branches and so those are cleaned off, those things that shouldn't be in your life. Those are washed off. So if a vine is in the dirt, he doesn't cut it off. And if it's bearing fruit, he cuts it back. No, when it's in the mud, he lifts it up and he washes it off so that it might bear more fruit. You know what? That's what Jesus does for me. When I'm down and out and I'm stuck in the mud of life, and I've hit rock bottom, he lifts me up. He washes me off. And I think it goes on and it's reinforced here in this line of thinking with John 15, 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So how does he wash you? He washes you through his word. You're clean through the word. How should a person cleanse their ways? Psalms 119 says, 
Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Paul says in Ephesians 5, we are washed as the bride of Christ by the water of the word of God. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I lift up those who are in the muck and I wash them. John 15, four through five says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without ye can do nothing. If you're going to be fruitful, you have to what first? Abide in me. If a branch is not abiding or connected to the vine, it's not going to what? Produce fruit. Jesus says, you can't be fruitful unless you abide in me. Not struggling, not striving, abiding. Be at home with me and let me be at home with you. Day by day, just abiding in Jesus because he laid it all down for me. Spend time with me. Talk with me. Hear me and fruit will come forth supernaturally. Have you ever seen a fruit tree straining to produce fruit? Maybe if it was sick. But I've never seen an apple tree stand there going, oh, come on, apples, come up. No, I've never seen that. I've seen it naturally come as it is nourished from the soil, which could represent the word of God, flowing through its veins and coming forth producing fruit. Likewise for us. Have you ever been a time of straining? I know recently for us, we just uh, did my daughter's wedding a couple weeks ago, and I have never been so strained in my life. <laughs> I, have, I have administered things here at the church, big events, and we've, you know, and those have been stressful. But you know what? Four days before uh, your daughter's wedding, my goodness, I, I felt like I never stopped. And I was constantly worrying. It was supposed to be the worst weather that we had had all season that weekend. It was an outdoor wedding. And, you know, we miraculously, God got us these great canopies and we got it all covered. And, but then there were supposed to be tornado force winds that night and we had set up and I was like, oh my goodness, these canopies are gonna be shredded or gone. You know, so I'm just anxious to get there the day of the wedding, you know, to see if the canopies survive. But the, miraculously, I'm just praying about the whole time. Okay, God, you can do it. You can take care of it, you know. And miraculously, the winds weren't as strong as they were supposed to. It didn't, we were supposed to have a couple inches of rain. And it did that up north. They had massive flood, flooding and some issues up north and along the coast. But it didn't hit here. We had mild rain, very light rain, some winds. I get there. It's beautiful. And it's still intact. And, you know, I just learned from that. You know, I, at that moment, I'm there. I'm just, okay, God, you got this. It rained just a little bit right before the wedding, 
Then we had the wedding. It was beautiful during the wedding and afterwards. And it was a great time. We enjoyed ourselves. It went by way too fast. But, you know, it was just a lot of work. And there was some straining in the beginning until I just said, you know what? God, you got to take care of it. Fruit is meant to come beautifully and in a natural way. That's what Jesus is saying here. Without me, if you break from me, you can do nothing. Just abide with me. Stay connected to me and fruit will come. In John 15, 6, it says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you don't stay connected to me, what happens? You're knocked around. You dry out. You shrivel up. And men gather you up because they look at you as worthless. And they cast you into the fire to be burned. We are the light and the salt. And if we are not, there is no flavor in our lives. Ezekiel points this out in his talk about the vine being Israel. If a vine is not bearing fruit, it's good for nothing, not even firewood. Do you know a vine, if you try to burn a grapevine, it just smolders? It doesn't even burn well. And it's not much use for anything else than what? To produce grapes. It's not really utilized other than that. For us as well, if we're not bearing fruit, perhaps that's where we need to figure out where we need to abide. Where do we abide? In him. The reality is if your life is lost, if the reality is your life is lost unless you abide in the vine of Jesus Christ. John 15, 7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in Christ, and his words in you, what's going to happen? You're going to supernaturally bear fruit. It's going to show up in your prayers made and answered. Things will be alive in your life. And you'll know how to pray and live because you know his heart and your prayers will be answered because you'll be praying the will of God for that situation because you are abiding in him. His word is cleansing you, teaching you, renewing you, and you are released to know what to do in those situations. If you abide in me, you let his word abide in you. You take in his word and then offer up your prayers. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Ye shall ask and what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. The whole thing here with our walk with Jesus is very profoundly simple. What? Abide in me. Allow my words to abide in you so you know my heart, so you know the prayers to release the fruit to be produced for that situation. Very simple. It's a relationship. You plug in every day. It's not a got to, it's I get to. 
It's a loving response to what he has done for me and what he has done for you. A word was given to me this week, and, and I, it reminded me of a saying that I heard once, and I don't know where, who said it, but it was, stay under the spout where the blessings come out. And it reminded me when this word was given to me, and here's a picture of a maple tree, and this word was given to me for this week, for the message. Tap into me, for there is a wealth of my love, mercy, and grace far beyond what you have ever known. Sweeter and more precious than honey. Then he showed me a maple tree, a sugar maple tree. A sugar maple tree has the longest sugaring season and is the most valued of all the maple trees for what? Producing maple syrup. Season was the word. You know what? My favorite thing, one of my favorite things, is maple syrup. And you know what? Maple syrup comes out of the tree actually clear. And then it goes through a process. Just like us, we come in to the kingdom. And then we go through a process to where we're well-seasoned to release the goodness of God. He washes us. And you know what? The word season, that just hit me because the maple tree is the longest season for collecting the syrup. Well, you know what? In God's kingdom, does it end? His kingdom never ends. His season never ends. There is a never-ending season when we abide in Christ. God is always blessing. He's always blessing us by his kindness, his grace, his mercy, and his benevolence. His blessings are always nonstop, 24-7 being poured out. The problem is not God, it's me. What happens? I step out from under the spout where the blessings pour out. It is me that steps away from the spigot. I'm not abiding as I should. So if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling cut off, feeling like you're being burned by men or being burned out by the things of life, what do you need to do? I plug into Christ and allow myself to be filled with him and I abide with him. Simple analogy here. What do you do with your phone every night? <laughs> you plug it in. If you don't plug it in, what happens? It goes dead. Then what happens? In today's world, you've lost all connection pretty much, which is a sad reality. I don't even have a landline at my house anymore. So if this thing dies, people can't call me. I can't call them. I'd have to go find them. I'd have to drive to Stephen's house. Oh, Stephen's not here. Where are you? Well, maybe he's at work. I've got to go find him there. You know, these save us a lot of time, don't they? <laughs> in the old days, they had to go find people. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't plug it in, you're disconnected. It goes dead. Same thing for us. If you do not plug into the kingdom of God, you are disconnected. 
John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so, so shall ye be my disciples. So in verse 2, he talks about fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he washes so that he can bring forth more fruit. So fruit to more fruit. Then in verse 8, that's how my Father is glorified. Here's the secret of life right here. Jesus is the true vine. Abide in him. His words abide in you. And you will bring forth fruit. And as you do, it's going to what? Glorify the Father. Abiding in him, you will bear much fruit. And Jesus says, my Father is glorified. Why are we here? As Paul said, we're... Whatever you do in word and deed, do what? Do unto the glory of God. If I'm not doing that, I'm missing the reason for my existence. I'm here to abide in him and his word in me so that I can bear much fruit so that my father can be glorified. Fruitfulness is what God desires for all of us. What is fruit? I preached this last time in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance against which there is what? No law. No one's going to come against you if you're producing the fruits of the Spirit because who's going to say and make a law, there shall not be no love? There shall not be no joy evermore. There shall not be no more gentleness. That's ludicrous. No law can come against you. Now, fruit just doesn't exist for itself, does it? Do you see an apple tree eating its apples? A branch does not eat the grapes that grow on it. It exists to glorify the Father. The fruit exists for others in the kingdom and those around us. People say, I want fruit so I can be happy. Well, that's not the reason for the fruit. Fruit doesn't exist for itself. The fruit is others-oriented. In this case, Jesus says it's for God. You know, I just celebrated my 47th birthday on November 9th. And um, I wrote this statement actually on the day of my birthday. So we had had the weekend. And um, things had been a little different, I had thought. I thought they had been a little different. I mean, there was people weren't quite there at the same times, and people were coming and going. And it wasn't as consistent as it normally was. So I, I wrote this on the day reflecting on the weekend because I had been a little bit of a pill my wife had noticed it a little bit. Uh, in fact, she was waiting for the weekend to be over. Um, but we had a great time. You know, we were so blessed. So I wrote this on my birthday. Well, today marks 17,155 days around the sun for me. All I can say is I am blessed by all the amazing people in my life. 
been at the coast for my birthday like we do every year. I will admit this one has been a bit challenging as life is sometimes. I think as you get older, you reflect more on what has been. But in saying that, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me that we are too in Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make the way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christ is doing a new thing, and the past teaches me that every day is a new day in this life race. I'm running, and in Christ, this last year of 46 has passed away. And this new year of 47 has started, and I can see through the years that God is always there taking care of everything, and new things of life are springing forth. I was feeling like this birthday was a little bit of a downer, but I was reminded of the great amount of life that was sprung forth each day, each moment, and That if you're focused on the past, you miss the opportunity to fully participate in the plateful of life's joys that are right before you. I am full of his kingdom in my life, and I get to dine at his table of eternal life, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love you all that are in my life and speak into it. I impart blessing over your life as I am blessed in the Lord. Now, this is a bit of a funny picture and a bit of a racy picture. So um, we didn't even know this picture was taken. My wife has her hand and you know what? This is what I show this picture because I didn't even know this happened. I was caught up in what was going on, and I was out here, I was actually kind of pouting a little bit out here on the deck. And I didn't know what was going on. I missed this moment, this moment of life, a moment of relationship between me and my wife. And that's what can happen with us when we step out from underneath the spigot of God's blessing. We miss out in that relationship with Christ because we are not abiding in his presence. We're not abiding in him. When I'm not abiding in him, I miss being Jeremiah that releases the fruitfulness of his kingdom. Because when I am Jeremiah that abides in his kingdom, I get to be Jeremiah the child of God. I get to be Jeremiah the son that is welcome into his kingdom and also the son of Alan and Becky Pickrell, the fruit of that. I get to be a friend and release the fruit of his kingdom in my friendships. I get to be a coworker and release the fruit of his presence to my coworkers. I get to be a citizen of this nation and of this planet, and I get to release the kingdom and fruit of my heavenly Father. 
I get to be a husband to my wife. The reason why our relationship has been so wonderful over these 25 years is because of the fruit of God in our lives. And finally, I get to be part of this body, Christ's body. And I get to release the fruit to those around me. We have recently, in, on our Wednesday night group, there was a section that talked about worship and abiding in God's presence. And it talked about, don't worry if you're tone deaf or can't sing in tune. Don't worry if you're not the one up on the stage singing the words, because that's not what it's about. It's, it's about going to that spot in your heart that you are abiding in Christ and you are singing forth through what he has washed you through and brought you through, and you are releasing that supernatural fruit. For what? For those that are around you that are down. They can feel that presence being released from you, that supernatural fruit in worship here in the congregation. When you are worshiping, let it sing out from your heart that place that you are abiding in him. And not only when you leave this place, you are able to release to those around you from that place of abiding in him because he is showing you his heart and you are praying. He gives you the words to pray for those that are sick and what they're going through, for that situation that has that person down or tied up in the things of life, you are able to speak the words and pray the words to release the fruit in that situation because you are his vine to release that fruit. I just felt that the Holy Spirit this morning just wanted to say, there needs to be a recalibration in your spirit. Arrow, let me lift you up. Let me lift you up out of the the muck of life. Catharsis, let me wash you from all fear that is around you. My kingdom is not a kingdom of fear. My kingdom is a kingdom of love and all the fruits of the Spirit. That is my kingdom. Abide in me, my word, abide in you. And prayers are released. And as the worship team comes, they're going to sing this song again. And it's just so perfect. I didn't ask them to sing this song. Make me a house of prayer. Because when we abide in him and his word abides in us, we are able to release the prayers, the fruits of the kingdom that release the provision that is needed. And we're going to stand together and we're going to sing and we're just say, Lord, make me a house of prayer. Make me a house of prayer. Help me recalibrate to abide in you. Lift me up. Wash me off. Let the supernatural fruit come in my life. Before we do that, let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, again, what your Son has done for us on the cross so that we can come boldly into your throne room, Lord Jesus, and that we can abide in you and your word abide in us, Lord Jesus. 
and that, that supernatural fruit, it comes forth to minister to those around us, Lord Jesus. And then it's a season that's unending 24-7. We get to abide in that. 24-7, 24-7. It is not you that steps away. It is us. But let us come and abide in you. Let us dwell under the spigot where the blessing pours out. We just thank you for that in your name. Amen.
Make me a house of prayer really quick. Yes. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of of prayer, you must abide in me and my word in you. And the supernatural fruit will come forth in every way. Be blessed today as you go in him. Thank you for joining us from home. We just love you so much and God just wants to pour out his blessing on you 24-7. Have a great day. Be blessed. <laughs>